Listener Production. Love it or loathe it, you've probably heard about the time-freezing effects of Botox, one of the world's most popular cosmetic procedures. But did you know that the toxin contained in Botox is the most toxic compound on Earth? I'm Dr. Sophie Calabretto, and this is The Science Briefing. Today, I ask Cosmos Magazine journalist Jacinta Bowler about Botox, the risks associated with it, and the scientific research that is making it safer. Okay, what actually is Botox, and how does it work? Yeah, so Botox is mostly recognized as like a wrinkle smoother, but there's also plenty of medical uses for it too. So, you know, neck spasms, sweating, an overactive bladder, interestingly enough, lazy eyes, and also migraines. Sure. They're a legit medical treatment. Okay. So it's the commercial name for a toxin known as botulinum toxin type A, which is actually the most toxic compound in the world. Oh, Yeah, the way that it works is by interrupting communication between nerves and muscle cells, which then causes paralysis. Jacinta, if Botox is so toxic, why is it so widely used? Yeah, so I want to say up front, Botox is a good medical treatment and you should not be worried that if you've taken Botox in the past or, you know, you're thinking about taking Botox that you're going to die. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's not going to happen. Good. However, botulism toxin type A is still a toxin and a really, really good one at that. At the end of the day, it's really good at doing its job, which is paralyzing muscles. You know, and I'm, I'm glad that it's good at doing that so no one else has to. <laughs> Here's my question. How toxic is toxic? So it's very, very toxic, but in a good toxic way. Okay, so we're going to do some numbers. Botox is a perfect illustration of the concept of the dose makes the poison. Sure, got it, got it, got it. A few teaspoons of the toxin would be enough to kill millions of people. Great. So that's how toxic it is. (laughs) But the amount used for cosmetic and medical treatments is like, significantly lower than a few teaspoons, obviously. Sure. So Botox is injected in units. For forehead wrinkles, for example, you might inject 10 to 30 units. Okay. And 100 units is 0.00073 micrograms of toxin. Okay, so like that is very little toxin. Yes, like a teeny, teeny amount of toxin. The amount that could kill you is around 10,000 times higher than the amount of toxin in one unit. So, you know, there's plenty of room for error there. Sure. But that does mean that a dose of only 0.09 to 0.15 micrograms would be enough to kill a person. And that makes botulinum toxin type A the most toxic compound we know about, like on the planet, ever. Okay, um, so Jacinta, what happens if you're exposed to too much of this toxin? Yes, so if you're exposed to too much of this toxin, you could develop a rare but potentially fatal bacterial infection called botulism. Excellent. I love how excited you are, Sophie. (laughs) Well, okay, um, botulism isn't just found in Botox, though, okay? It's created by the bacterium Clostridium botulinum. Yes. 
the bacteria itself looks like a long pill and it's found all around us in honey, mm -hmm. water, but soil is its favourite environment. So their spores are really super hardy and they can survive in almost all environments, including boiling water. Oh, yeah. So this is why you shouldn't buy bulging cans of food. It can also be found in the canning process and the cans can actually have bacteria inside of it that's producing gas. And that's why it's bulging. Oh, is that why bulging cans are bad? Because of botulism? Yeah. And so because the canning process, there's a lot of heat involved. They get rid of most of the bacteria. But if oh, botulism's there, nightmare. it's still doing its thing. Yeah. The same issue happens with pickling things. But you might have noticed that those two food processes don't have oxygen. Mm -hmm. The bacteria doesn't produce the toxin unless it's in an anaerobic or oxygen-free condition. So most of the time, it's just chilling around us with no problem. Great. Sophie, you might have Clostridium botulum on you right now. Well, we can only hope. <laughs> It can enter a person through a wound if you're really unlucky, but most of the infections are inhaled as our stomach acid is better able to deal with the bacteria. Uh. Now, there are antitoxins available, but even with that, if you've got botulism, it kills around 7% of people infected. Not good odds, I would say. No. This would be a good time to reiterate that it is very rare. There's usually just one case of it in Australia every year. Okay, so if it's so dangerous, how come we don't die more often when we get Botox? <laughs> That's a great question. Science has made it so that administering Botox is super safe. And we're really good at being able to make sure we're only getting the right amount of toxin to put in your face or wherever you want to put it. But like with any type of medicine, there are risks involved. Also, as we've said, the majority of people who get sick from botulism get it from the environment. Mm -hmm. So ensuring there's appropriate treatment is important for everybody, not just those injecting Botox. But now, researchers from the University of Queensland have determined how this toxin enters brain cells, and hopefully it could make it significantly safer to use. Oh, okay, that sounds very cool. What exactly have the researchers found? The researchers found that there's three receptors that the Botox toxin needs to unlock to get into brain cells or neurons. Mm -hmm. They used these, you know, very, very good microscopes to look at the cells, close enough to see individual neurons. And basically, the three receptors form a complex. Think of it a bit like three goons. The receptors showed toxin to enter the neurons. This triple receptor combo is required. When the toxin was bound to just one alone, it wasn't able to sneak in, which if you think about it, makes sense. If you kill one goon, there's still two goons on the door, you know? Basic goon math. Yeah. <laughs> Basic goon math. Because this is biology, the researchers were able to mess around with the cells a bit as well. So when the team got rid of one of the receptors, the SYT1 receptor entirely, the cell formed a tube or tunnel-like thing to let in the toxin, but the tunnel didn't go anywhere. So you can imagine this as like blowing bubbles with a bubble wand, but the bubble never detaches from the wand and the toxin is trapped inside. I mean, that's very sneaky, Jacintus, but it's good. it's good that it's getting stuck. Oh, yeah, for sure. Our cells have this protective layer or bubble around them to stop things from coming in and messing with stuff. As long as that layer holds, the toxin can't do anything. 
What I think is cool is that previously we only knew where the binding sites for Botox was, not the exact mechanism for how this process actually works. Okay, so what does this all mean? How can it be used in practice? Well, scientists now know how it happens, so they can take that knowledge and apply it to a treatment that can prevent botulism. Mm -hmm. This would work by blocking interactions between any two of the three receptors to stop the toxins from getting into the neurons. Basically, if we go back to the goons analogy, they would find a way to never let the goons work together, allowing the Botox to then re-enter the house. Okay, so how could a treatment like that be made? I mean, would it be a drug, something that everyone who uses Botox would use, or would it be a treatment for people who are already showing signs of botulism? Well, hold your horses, Sophie. This is a very early study, and it will take many years to find out what the best method of treatment would be for something like this. The first step is to see if there are any drugs on the market already that do this, as that would mean they wouldn't need to find a whole new drug. But don't expect this to be on the shelves for a long time yet. It's definitely a wait-and-see situation. Jacinta Bowler is a science journalist for Cosmos Magazine. You can read more of Jacinta's reporting by heading to cosmosmagazine.com. If you like the show, don't forget to subscribe. You can download the Listener app to listen for free. The Science Briefing is produced by Listener and the Royal Institution of Australia. This episode was produced by Bonnie Lavelle. Mixing by Dave Stein. And I'm Dr. Sophie Calabretto. Catch you next time. Listener.